In today's world, listeners are complex and multidimensional, and it's a little cumbersome to toggle back and forth from channel to channel trying to get your fix. We feel your podcast should be just as diverse as you. Welcome to Fred Talks, where the topics are as layered and multifaceted as you are, with a dash of inspiration and a little bit of an edge. Hey, welcome to another episode of Fred Talks, a catalyst for crucial conversations for the culture. I'm your host, Fred B. And today I'm getting ready to transition. I'm getting ready to power down for season three. But before I go, I want to thank you all for tuning in week after week, for leaving feedback, for liking, subscribing, sharing and leaving those reviews. If you haven't left a review, I want to encourage you to do that. Run me those stars, fam. But I want to leave you with a, a, a gift, a bonus Uh, to hold you over until I come back for season four. So enjoy this episode, which is extracted from, uh, I participated in um, with my homegirl, Jessica of Jess Talks. So it was me and it was uh, three other guys. And we just got to uh, share it from our heart. We got to uh, debunk some things, confirm some things as it relates to uh, black male ideologies. Of course, this is not a representation of uh, the entire black thought. We understand that we're not a monolith, but these are just some of our own personal views. And you'll even notice on the panel, we don't agree 100% with every idea that is offered, you know, by another panelist, but we made space for the diversity of thought. So enjoy this right after these ground rules. This probably doesn't need to be said, but of course we're going to say it anyway. The views and opinions expressed on Fred Talks podcast are not to be misconstrued as professional advice, counsel, gospel, a personal attack, law, guarantees, a substitution for hard work, a one-size-fits-all formula for every scenario, or any type of promise. It's a podcast, y'all. Come on. You know you need to consult a credentialed professional before making a hasty or significant change with your life. Don't you? Don't you? Of course you do. Now, be encouraged by the show. Be entertained by the show. Be challenged to cross-examine some of your long-held beliefs. Note, the host and his guests have strong views held loosely. Being committed to lifelong learning means that their perspectives may change in light of information. That's not contradiction. That's evolution. So please, don't come for us. Unless we send for you. Now that we have an understanding, let's get back to today's episode of Fred Talks. Super excited. I have three amazing gentlemen here with me tonight. Tonight's episode is Just Talks to Black Men. We are going to get into some conversations, some topics that um, really address the health um, and the forward motion or the forward movement or what we at least would like to see in um, our community as far as Black men go. For me, this is a subject that's tender. Um, I'm grieved by it sometimes as a Black um, single woman in our country and then just in light of recent events. But in reality, things that have been happening for generations, you know, sometimes it feels hopeless, right? Like we we haven't really come as far as we think, but I don't fully believe that either. So um, I just wanted to bring these men on to share in the conversation, get their heart, hear their heart, get their take as pillars, as fathers, um, as voices in the community, and just really pick apart some things. So we are going to get started. 
Um, I'm going to introduce everyone. They're going to give a little bit about themselves, and we're going to dig right into um, these questions because they're kind of meaty. So um, first we have Mr. Fred Burns. Fred, let me tell you real quick, I, I do not know Fred for real. Like, we had just met. He uh, was a part of Just Talks episode one. He, he was commenting, super, uh, super vocal. Um, he checked in episode two, and when I was putting this episode together, because this was supposed to happen in the beginning of July, um, I, the one, one person that I chose wasn't able to, and I'm like, crap, who am I going to get? And I was like, that dude seemed like he was cool. I'm going to reach out to him. And um, lo and behold, he was, th- he was hoping to, that we would end up working together at some point anyway. So it worked out. We had covers- conversations. So I'm really excited to have him on here. Fred, go ahead and introduce yourself, please. Right on. Hey, Jess, uh, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. In fact, uh, the same day that you reached out, I was just sharing with my wife uh, that I would, you know, hope that someday we would uh, be able to work together. And then as fate would have it, here we are. Um, So have been enjoying your episode so far. Uh, I don't know if that was a disclaimer to let people know, hey, I don't really know this cat, so I'm not responsible for his views and opinions. They don't represent, I don't know, but I'm happy to be here and uh, I'll try to behave. Uh, A little bit about myself. as you mentioned, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a father of two, husband of almost <laughs> 12 years, uh, born and raised in Cali. Now I'm out here in Texas where it's hot, hot and humid. And um, my interest, you know, I'm a stock market enthusiast, options and uh, forex trader. So and podcast host and creator myself. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. So glad to be here with all these uh Gentlemen here. Yeah, yeah. And uh, y'all, real quick, I know he said he talk about it later, but Fred talks T-A-L-X on, um, you know, whatever podcast stream you use. It's really, really good. Yeah, platform. Um, and uh, we have Pastor Chris Jones, who I also affectionately call Dad. He is here with us. Um, Dad, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell the people about you. Um, I am Christopher Jones, originally from Ohio, Northeast Ohio, to be exact, living in the ATL, married to a wonderful woman of 22 years, um, two grown children, and just love God. And I'm just excited about tonight. And thank you so much for having me. Yeah. And lastly, we have Gus, my brother, Gus. Um, He is, man, I love Gus always right here um he is going to go ahead and introduce himself and then we're going to go ahead and get into the questions hey y'all so uh gus augustus <laughs> uh, i'm a son i just love god you know and um that's it um husband to a beautiful wife marlena that's rock been married to be uh 14 years 15 years august a few more days coming up. Uh, we got four wonderful, talented, and strong uh, young men. Uh, Josiah, Gabriel, Jesse, and, and Judah, my boys. I worked in education for like the last 12 years. Recently, we just moved from Detroit to Arizona. Uh, when we moved here, um, I uh, followed the call to uh, from from working in the school and I was working uh, in Michigan, I was working as a, I was teaching kindergarten music, uh, KA music. And when I moved here, um, I made the shift to working um, in in behavior intervention. From there, now I'm working in the prison. So 
And so uh, we'll talk about it later, how, how those th things kind of kind of parallel, but um, speak. Thank you. I'm really interested to kind of talk about that contrast or that parallel. Um, so we are going to get into things because I do not want, I want to make sure we try to cover as much as we can. I don't want to get too far into time. Um, and before we kind of go here, um, I want to say that these are three men that I respect. I, in no way, by any means, do I believe that they represent the entire black male population. Um, I do think what they have to say, though, weighs heavily on the direction um, that we go and kind of um, addressing and tearing down or dissecting some of the things that we're going to mention tonight. So I want that to be clear for anybody watching who feels like that ain't me, that is fine. Um, but I wanted to be sure about um, that the direction of this conversation was in line with um, the truth of what my heart is and what I believe is true and what I believe will help. So I want to say that and we're going to leave that there. So question number one, y'all ready? Um, <laughs> emasculation, emasculation. Um, the definition is depriving a man of his role or identity, making him the weaker or less effective vessel. Um, what systems and or structures would you all say are responsible for nurturing a narrative and an agenda of emasculation, specifically targeting black males? And can we recover? Who, who do you want to start? Uh, who, whoever, who, who's, who's ready to start? Okay. Uh, I wrestled with this, right? Um, because my initial thought was, no one can really we can no one can no one can make a man be less of a man right uh, you would have to give somebody permission nobody can do that without your consent but then I started thinking about the question more deeply when you said um, like what systems or what institu institutions are complicit in that and I thought about even back to slavery you had butt breaking right where they would um chastised, to put it lightly, um, uh, an enslaved man for uh, asserting his agency over his own body, for being defined and not uh, being perfectly obedient. They wanted to make a spectacle of them to send a message to other people. So that would be punish him for showing his masculine energy in hopes that uh, that would cause him to cower down, right? Um, but then you could, that was slavery. And a lot of times people want to say, well, you know, that was a long time ago. Well, you got to understand these ideals don't just die, nor do these systems really die. They just become more sophisticated, like slavery. Chattel slavery has been abolished, uh, but it has evolved to to uh, convict leasing and then from convict leasing to mass incarceration. So you still got the ideals. Right. And so if you got the, if you still got the systems in some other shape then you still got these ideologies also then. And what that could look like is any corporate America. Mm -hmm. um, anywhere where a black man does not, he's not a, a stakeholder or, uh, and he doesn't, have, he doesn't influence the outcomes of, of, uh, of that environment, he could meet some resistance that could cause him to censor himself, to contort himself or to code switch you know, and bite his tongue because he has to think about what's going to be the consequence of me asserting myself, letting him know this is not going to fly. How am I going to feed my family if I if I 
project my masculine energy in this place, right? If I, if I show some assertion. So it can happen in corporate America. Um, I think it can happen even in the education system. Um, and, and Gus is probably really going to be able to go deeper. So I'll just kind of set it up, Gus, and you run with it. But in the education system, I think about um, Frederick Douglass said, I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to misquote him. I'm, I'm going to paraphrase him. He said, um, it's easier to train uh, boys properly than to repair grown men, right? So you think about young boys and their formidable uh, age process, right? Like my son is eight. And you think about kids are going to, um, they're spending most of their waking hours usually under the tutelage of women. If they're, if they're not homeschooled, that's not to say that women are the problem. I'm just saying this is the environment that they're in for most of their waking hours. And so they are learning how to navigate and respond to the expectations of a woman for most of their waking hours. Compound that if they go home and there's not a man in the home, then they're learning how to respond to that. And then to further that, again, I'm not trying to say a woman is the problem because they're not, right? But if, but we tend to, well, I mean, talk about love languages. We tend to give what we like to receive, right? Um, so I imagine a teacher is more prone to um, approach her instruction according to who she is, right? And you can think about how boys get a bad rep now for nothing else really than being just energetic, for not being more tame as as the girls are. You know, the girls might sit a little bit more quietly, but a guy, a boy might be a little bit more rambunctious, which might lead to him being chastised. And he's taking those cues, even though he can't probably comprehend it or, or, or has the vocabulary for it, but he's already learning how to censor himself. He's already learning that his masculine expression is not rewarded, right? Um, you know, uh, and, and another one, one more. I, I don't want to be long. Another another um, thought I have when we talk about systems and um, and institutions. Forgive me, Pastor, but um, I think the church has some complicity. Uh, uh, dun, dun, dun. But 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 also to what Jess said. I'm not saying all churches. I haven't been to all churches, so there's no way I could, with credibility, say all churches. But there is enough. There are enough churches, right? that um, create a culture where men lay their masculinity down at the altar of religion in the name of being a good guy, being a nice guy, as if being nice is a fruit of the spirit, as if being nice is something we're even instructed to do. Um, and I, I, you know, this, this has been an ongoing problem in churches where they say, uh, you know, how can we get so many women and we have a problem getting attracting men? Well, it doesn't really cultivate masculine energy. It's mostly a passive thing on a, you, you think about the songs, not every church, but on a Sunday morning, you almost got to sing self-deprecating songs. And a man would help healthy self-esteem Eventually, that's he's going to be conflicted. Like, why? Why do I have to be completely abased to worship a God who's already everything? Like, why can't He be King of Kings? Like, why can't I stand in the fullness of who I am and also appreciate who He is? You see what I'm saying? I got to be nothing for Him to be something. Like, I don't even want to be associated with a God like that, right? Um, but also, forgive me, Pastor, but. <laughs> Think about the way the service is structured in some places, maybe not in the ch churches where your listeners are going. It's structured to be mostly a receiving type of thing, a passive type of thing. 
And so we're sitting in the seat, face forward for two hours, watching a man and his gifting. <laughs> and, and I'm in a, mo- I'm in mostly a receiving thing. And, and, and I feel like part of the part of the virtues of masculinity is contributing, producing, uh, giving. Uh-huh. And so it doesn't captivate men's attention. I think so. So in short, as I reckon, in short, as I've been long-winded, uh, I think if you look at schools. I think if you look at religious. Uh, organizations, and I think sometimes in corporate America, you can see that playing out. Hmm. That's good. Let me let me um, let me let me piggyback because when you brought in religion, I was like, "Ooh, that's <laughs> where I was going." Um, you're you're absolutely correct. Um, I would agree one hundred percent. From 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 the vantage point of an individual that literally grew up in church. Um, I've never, I never really saw um, growing up. Let me just say it. Let me, let me preface that growing up. Now, once I became an adult, it was a different story. Uh, But growing up, I never saw the pushing of, of men to be um, lovers of God, but yet maintain their their masculinity in in the in the sense of uh, of who they are in their home who they are in the community uh those types of things however the ones that i did see were like you said either the pastor or chairman of the deacon board chairman of the NAACP who was on the deacon board trustee you know individuals with um with titles uh those those were the ones that um that that were allowed to be manly they were allowed to exert their their masculinity if you will um everyone else was you 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 do as you're told um you you follow leadership um you're you're subservient and you know you listen to the man or the woman of god and you you maintain your position of lowly servant lamb or you know sheep you know those type of things and but i don't find that I've never, as I got older, I didn't find that in the scripture that way. Um, I didn't find where uh, the, what we were taught as kids at how uh, Jesus was this meek and lowly and, you know, scrawny kind of, you know, this kind of weak vessel of a man. When in fact, when you get to the, the narrative of the garden, Judas tells the people, it's the guy I kiss. That's the guy you got to grab because he looked at, like everybody else. Peter and the rest of them were fishermen working with their hands, strong, strapping. So they, he had to be picked out. So he couldn't have been this weak, mellow, you know, hippie looking, uh, sandal wearing guy with, you know, barely lift a spoon without straining himself. Right. You know, he was very masculine. He was a very masculine, he's a very manly man. Yeah. And so, and so, um, as far as your structure, the question of your systems, your structures, I think you hit it on the head when you, when you went from slavery to to convict leasing to mass incarceration, and even in corporate uh, corporate America or blue collar America, if you will, um, you find I've found over the years that you know I've been in this career that I'm in for 20 some years and it's very easy for management male or female to try to subservient 
uh, male workers, uh, in particular, black male workers, thinking that they're they're less than, they can't understand, they can't comprehend, and so they they try to use, uh, well, I went to school for this, and you're just coming in, and you don't know, you know, anything to use to degrade, to demean, um, uh, and you use the word code switch, where I've seen with my own eyes, young young black males. Um, literally cower down. They switch up and cower down. Um, and to me, it, it, it shows lack of respect for yourself. Um, I've, I've, made it, I've made it my point, and just, just for me, I've made it my business and my point in my career to let the powers that be know up front this is what I stand for. This is what I'm going to take. This is what I'm not going to take. And you're not going to talk to me any kind of way. I'm a grown man, you're a grown man, you're a grown woman, you're gonna to talk to me like I'm grown too. And so I developed that respect and rapport and I think that's what it's gonna take. You said, how can we recover? I think black men in particular, since we're talking about black men and black men masculinity, they have to stand up and say, you know what? If I lose my job, I'm not going to lose my respect for myself. You know, I'm I'm going to hold fast to the fact that I'm a man. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to do the job the best of my ability. And if you don't like me being who I am, then okay, then I'm going to have to find somewhere else to go. Um, but I think that's how we recover. We have to um, just know who we are, who who you were raised to be. And um, I I like the fact that you say you don't blame the women because it's not their fault. I grew up around very strong women. Uh, my aunts, my moms, you know, my mom uh, and, and my aunties and my female cousins, they always push the fact you're a man, man up. Don't, you know, don't, you know, they never uh, cut our nads off, if you will. Uh, they never took that opportunity to downplay, oh, you don't know nothing. You know, they always were, you know, I grew up with women pumping and pushing the us, us as young men. So I think that's what it's going to take. We're going to have to realize, go back to the drawing board of who we are and what we bring to the table. That's my two cents on that. That's good. That's... It's a couple of things I want to pull out and reflect on that, uh, kind of re-come back around to. But before, Gus, is there anything you want to add to that? Just a couple of things. Um, and Fred, definitely, he, he hit on it. My reason for always wanting to work in education was that very quote, uh, Frederick Douglass. Uh, he said, uh, it's easier to build strong children than to rebuild weak men. Um, and then my, my shift from education to Arizona, I mean, to, uh, to, to prison, excuse me. Uh, when I moved from, from, from Michigan to, to Arizona, um, I just felt God just telling me, hey, just change, different. And, and, one, and one, of the, one of the components with that was, was me changing everything that I, that, that I was familiar with. And, and that was uh, one of those things was who will rebuild the weak men? Because at the end of the day, these guys, they will be released. And, and they will be your neighbors and everything. And I felt called to that. And, um, and, and um, I've seen, uh, and I don't, I don't want to jump the gun, but I literally have seen uh, from who to working in here, one, one consistent thing that I've seen is 
uh, mothers coddling their boys. And, you know, and uh, when, oh, <laughs> many times, and I don't really want to spend too much time on one, but many times in, instead of not just disciplining the child and excluding him from activities, but a lot of times, you know, uh, the, the child would not be corrected and, and be taught what he did was wrong and why it was wrong and really just spent that, 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 that time, you know, just really talking with them. And um, many times you see in our culture specifically, um, we know how to whoop, you know, and, and I, I, I can even remember, you know, I hear, I, hear, I hear moms and I hear parents, not just moms, but I hear parents say all the time, well, you know, I'm going to beat your butt, you know, and, I, you know, I, I believe in whooping, but at the same time, I also believe in uh, having conversations with your children, giving them a voice, not beating them down so much that that, that you literally beat the man out of them, you know. And um, and and I did want to just just say that um, for me, I think one of the systems uh, we're talking about uh, emasculation. One of the systems in play is media. Everything on media portrays. And I'm just gonna call it out. Um, if you if you don't see like on every TV show, someone has to be gay. Uh, someone, um, uh, Medea. I think Medea um, was was one of uh, the worst uh, things that could ever ever happen to the black community. Uh, reason being, I I never forget um, um, seeing a little kid walking around in some high heels, and 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 and, and one of the family members correcting him saying, oh, you know, you, you don't do that. But this, this kid sees you laughing at Medea. That's okay. You know, and so, I, you know, it's, and, and it's, that's definitely, um, that definitely, I, I believe that definitely plays a part uh, in that, just, just how, how media portrays what, what even what it means to be uh, masculine and, and everything all, uh, along with that. Yeah, I think um, just from a, uh my perspective as a woman, when I look at, if first we're gonna go here, when I look at church, some of the things that me and my single friends, you know, are frustrated over is, we just, we were just having this conversation the other night, and we felt like, yo, we gonna have to go get a, like a homie from this block. Because, um, okay, we gonna have to get a homie from the block because most of the men who worship next to me act like me. Mm. And I'm not even a really super feminine girl. They're more feminine than me. And I'm really not, I don't want to be offensive. I don't want to stay here because I understand things are a struggle. But, um, but the, I feel like there's also reinforcement that this is okay, right? When it's convenient, when it's conducive. Gus, you mentioned Medea is cool for entertainment, but there's a potential mixed message there, you know? Um, I think that uh, when we talk about media rappers, like the clothing, things change, the, things are changing and there's more reinforcement in, um, I, I feel like inclusion is dangerous, right? So mm. there, you know, if we just talk about maybe fashion, right? Um, it's these, they have onesies and jumpers and rompers for men like no that's mine you know what i mean like, i'm not for real though i'm not about to wear the romper but like like the the bleeding lines and the affirmation for these bleeding lines and even if we take the sexuality piece out let's take homosexuality out of it right but just as a man like it there it uh, you're a man and you're gay that's one thing but then like you're a man and then there's this there's let's incorporate all of these 
feminine traits, right? You know, so, um, and again, I know everything is not black and white. I know, you know, I want to be careful, but when we look at what media portrays, it definitely portrays this affirmation to be who you want to be. And I feel like maybe in the long run, that can be detrimental to the legacy of families. Like, families, go ahead, guys. No, I'm sorry, I was, and, and I just kind of wanted to pivot again off what, what Fred said. Like, I hated to agree with, but it's absolutely right. Um, I, I, I've kind of interred it. You see, so so often, and I, like I said, I don't want to live there neither. But the, you often you see so so many times with with people up with, in leadership positions with these. Um, it, 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 it goes beyond just a struggle. It's one like you said. It's one thing to struggle, but it, you get these people living this lifestyle. Like it is what it is, but um, I grew up Muslim, and, and that was one thing that my that my father used to say uh, say to me um, was this that you know Christian I never forget. Be, I mean, I was young, and he used to say this to me: Christians stand, they don't stand for nothing. I mean, he used to always say that. And honestly, mm-hmm. I, I made I made a conscious decision for myself that hey, I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow Christ. My mom started going to church after my dad died, and and I bucked up against that. Um, but um, my testimony, that's a whole nother, another story, but I end up, you know, accepting or receiving Christ uh, a, a little later on. And and that was the one thing that just literally turned my stomach uh, about church was just, it was just, just that, you know, and I believe that that definitely uh, contributes. Um, no one is um, um, reinforcing and, and no one is bold enough to say, no, this is not okay. You know, because at the end of the day, I need I need you to play my organ. I need you to I need you to sing my people happy. You know, and but I mean, like I said, I don't I don't really want to live there, but I think that's definitely something that has contributed to to that. And let me let me let me add with uh, what 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 you're saying, Gus, because going back to what you um, when you were talking about disciplining children, uh, whooping, and 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 I I agree with it. I agree with spankings. Uh, but also agree with having conversations as to why you're being spanked. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I think I think that's where a lot of churches have gone, kind of went awry. There was a standard, but the standard was just beat them down, beat them down, beat them down, beat them down. And then when they realize it's like, well, if we keep beating folk down, and and not having a standard of love and really uh, mirroring what the scriptures are saying, um, they started relaxing standards. And when you start relaxing standards, it's a domino effect. And and we have what we have where there's there's no standard that really can be seen in some churches, not all churches, but there's there's standards that can't you just can't see. If you know, you pick up a Bible and you hold it up against some of these churches, it's like, I don't see you all in here anywhere, you know, and it's because standards were relaxed somewhere and um, it's a it's a daisy chain effect. You know, one 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 weak link messes up the whole chain, you know. Um, if you, you know, when we were kids, we had to work on our own bikes and <laughs> there was, uh, in every chain, there's a master link. Actually, there's a couple of them actually. And if the master link is messed up and it's not on properly, 
the chain is never going to stay on. It'll go, it'll turn and it'll pop off. It'll turn, it'll pop off. You got to keep putting back on until you fix that link, that link that was damaged, that link that was bent, that link that was out of alignment. Um, and if you don't meet the standard that that link is supposed to be, that chain is never going to be right. And I think that's where a lot of our churches, when it comes to this talk of, of masculinity, um, we've, we've relaxed the standard so far that we call ourselves trying to fix it and it's just a temporary bandage and then we bleed through that again. And then a temporary bandage and we bleed through it again. Um, and so uh, we have to go back to, like I said, we have to find that, go back to what, who we are. And once we realize who we are, then we can go back to the original standard, the original foundation of the standard and then move forward. That's what I believe. So, so I'm about to chime in and um, I'm about to say something that's probably going to uh, invite smoke. That's okay. I can deal with the smoke. I have a, I have an alternative opinion, right? Um, I didn't think about it until you guys started speaking on it. And uh, so you may have seen that I went off camera. Well, I went to go grab a book off my shelf. And one of the books that was just really transformational for me is by Dr. Stacy Patton. And it's uh, Spare the Kids, Why Whooping Children Won't Save Black America. Um, my son is six, will be seven mid-August. My daughter is eight. I grew up getting spanked. I mean, it was normalized. Everybody I knew, I didn't even think to, to second guess spankings because you hear about it from comedians, you hear about it from the church, from the pulpit, all your friends are getting spanked. So you think this is the only, this is the form of discipline. Um, but when I, when I think about it, um, and we talk about it, especially since I opened up talking about buck breaking, if you put the television on mute and you see a child getting spanked and you see a slave getting buck, uh, getting whipped, I don't know how the argument can, argument can be made that they're that different. And then I, I accepted the challenge to raise my children in a way that doesn't require me to lay hands on them. You know, um, so I didn't start off that way. You know, um, it was probably like two or three years in. And my whole philosophy was, was really like, I want my son to have all of his dignity. I want him to know proper boundaries. So much so that even your father doesn't violate your physical boundary by putting his hands on you without your consent, right? Um, actually, it started, it started with me having that type of sensitivity towards my daughter. I, I didn't want my daughter to ever think it was okay for a man to put their hands on her. And so I would be the first man in her life. So I got to set the standard. Then I said, well, my son is not worthy, is, not, is no less worthy of that type of dignity, right? And I felt like as me, me as dad, if I violate that boundary, I open the gates for any other supposed authority in their life to, 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 to violate that type of boundary. Does it require a lot more long suffering, a lot more creativity, a lot, lot more uh, other ways of discipline? Absolutely. Is it some days where I'm, are there some days where I'm challenged to just revoke that vow and lay hands on them? Absolutely. They tap dance on my nerves sometimes, especially with COVID-19. We all stuck in the house. But um, it's just a commitment that um, that I've made and I have been seeing good fruit. Some people make the argument that, uh, well, they're going to grow up spoiled. But I don't know. And especially from a Christian perspective, I just don't think God has to. I just can't see how how Christians fight for the right to to spank their children. I think we're more we can be more creative than that. Um, I just think we can be more creative. That's not, hey, I, 
I'm not throwing shade at Gus and, and, and Chris. You know, that that's not my intent. I'm just adding another perspective that some of your listeners probably have, and I'm just sharing where I'm at. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, also, you talked about what are the solutions. I, I, I echo what Chris said is that um, uh, men have to step up and just take that risk. Like, yo, I'm not going to cower down and let the chip fall where they lay. I think that requires us uh, retooling and making sure that we have enough value to where people have to think twice before they fire us but also um to where we own owner i think ownership everything comes down to ownership like if i own the space how you gonna fire me how you gonna chastise me I, I'm, the, I'm the boss you know what i mean um and then i also think for boys it takes a man it takes seeing a man to be a man mm-hmm. for any profession you want to be under the tutelage of a doctor to become a doctor you want to be mentored by and i just think it's going to t- we, we lost the sense of elders we don't we, and i'm not talking about elders in the sense of the church but the vill- village elders i mean we don't even have a sense of we don't really have community anymore. Like my, my, my folks used to talk about coming up, you know, and um, I don't know what's to blame. Maybe some of that is um, desegregation, you know, um, because, you know, uh, at, you know, Gus and I, we were talking about the environments we're in now, you know, the neighbors down the street used to look at you as their children. And so there will be elders in the community that pull you to the side and give you the game, set you straight. We don't have that. Yeah. Uh, we don't have it. Yeah, I think, uh, and I think in our culture now where everybody is so independent, um, you know, this is my square, this is my block, don't come yeah. into my space. It makes it hard to, I don't want to say makes it hard, but potentially that's a blockade to recreating or trying to recreate that village concept. Because I don't think, because there are a lot of boys out here, a lot of men out here without fathers, a lot of, um, you know, fatherless homes. Uh, When we talk about just the lineage of the incarceration system, um, starting with the chain gang and moving through, and then um, in the 80s and early 90s with the war on drugs and the the insertion of Black-on-Black crime and um, these more sophisticated uh forms of oppression right because it's easy to say where slavery is over i when you said it like that the light bulb came on even more the they're just more sophisticated forms of oppression Mm -hmm. um do we have to stay down no the more we are educated the more we're aware we can move differently but with these things in play and i wrote this down i'm kicking myself because i don't have my notes there's a woman, I'm going to figure out her name before we get off this live. Um, a friend of mine sent me a clip of hers. Um, and she was addressing the black community. And she was addressing women, actually. She was addressing women in our part in strengthening the black male community. And um, she talked about how um, some of those more sophisticated forms of oppression, like the feminist movement being inserted right around the time that blacks were trying to fight for their right to vote and how that kind of distracted the, the issue. And then we took, black women took that on. And now, now we're fighting for a level of feminism. And when the reality is black men have not been in position for us to need to be free from anybody. You know what I mean? Can like, you unpack that for me? Like, I, unpack that for me. I, I, and I'm going to find her name. And I, I, did, I kind of didn't want to bring it up because I didn't have her name right in front of me. But I have it and I have the video. And I found okay. her on YouTube. But she talks about how um, right around the time the feminist movement started to take off with white women. Mm-hmm. Um, that was right around the time the uh, voting 
black people were fighting for their decision to vote. So because of that, black women also kind of took on this, I want to be free too you know, from male oppression. And she's, her statement was, what y'all got to be free from? The black man has not been in position or in posture for all of these years. This is, the, this is their fight. This has nothing to do with you. So these things that insert themselves into the plight of the black community or to the community as a whole that distract from the rebuilding process. Is this a thing? You know what I mean? Does it... Um, the powers that be that control music, that control, um, you know, BET is not even owned by a black person. You know, all of yeah. these things that are instituted that really don't contribute to the rebuilding and ownership. Yeah, when you think about music, um, first of all, I got to admit my hypocrisy. I, I listen to music that is not the most edifying of black people. Uh, mm-hmm. But my challenge is, uh, the alternatives are usually lackluster. They, they don't have the, they don't have the sauce, or they don't have the aggression. <laughs> so I, I can't work out to Marvin Sapp. You know, like that, that might be cool <laughs> for my walk, my prayer walk, but that ain't gonna get me to lift the weight that I need to. Unfortunately, no, no, I take that back because I listen to cats like Show Baraka. I listen to cats like Lecrae. I, I take that back. But but um, oh, yeah. huh? Say that Disagreeing with you, my bad. Okay, yeah. Um, but but I will say, you on the money with that, when you talk about the entertainment, like, why why are we not, like, look at Nick Cannon. Nick Cannon, they cut his lights off quick. There's certain things you can't say about another demographic without having some retaliation, but they will let you denigrate your own people all day. They will fund it all day. Now, I can't point the finger at them without saying we have to take some responsibility. Nobody's right. They're not writing our lyrics. You know what I'm saying? So we have internalized these views. And, you know, we can have another conversation about why black people fight so vehemently for the right to use certain words. As creative as we are, (laughs) as genius as we are, that's the word we want to fight to use. That's the word we want to fight to repurpose. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, um, you know. I, I don't want to be long on that, but yeah, yeah. we're gonna move to the next question because I think we can sit here for a while. Um, every time y'all say something, my brain gets to be. <laughs> gonna move to hey, the next yeah. sister Ali. Sister Ali, Ali, the, the yeah. Muslim sister. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. You couldn't, I'll send it to you all individually and I repost on my page. Um, I, you could not deny nothing she was saying. Like, you couldn't deny mm-hmm. any of that, but we don't, that's going to take us in something else. So, we gonna yeah. so, toxic masculinity and masculinity. Now, I wrote this question a certain way, but as we've been talking, I also feel like we need to um, always find or move toward the solution of it, right? So, if we're going to talk about toxic masculinity, masculinity, we also have to talk about just masculinity as a whole, like reestablishing, like you were saying that the identity, you know, reestablishing who you are. Even when y'all talk about a man saying, being able to walk in a room and say, this is who I am and, and standing on that, like it made me cringe a little bit. So now I'm like, yo, what's inside of me that makes me feel like I can't speak up. Yeah. And I'm a woman, you know what I mean? And then I'm thinking like, oh, you can't say that. You know, this yeah. this is the repercussion. But even, but then that's not okay. Because then I can't stand in what, they can't stand in who they are, right? So when we talk about toxic masculinity, is there a such thing? 
is this subject a deconstructed, a destructive and thought mass? Jesus, what did I write? Hold on. Is toxic masculinity, is there a such thing? Is this subject a destructive thought masquerading in progressive narratives and agendas? So what is basically, what is toxic masculinity? Is it hiding? in that whole, um, is it a real thing? Is toxic masculinity a thing? Or is it one of those, um, y'all get to wear rompers and it's okay? <laughs> um, <laughs> we, we, we kind of like touched on it in, in, in a roundabout way, uh, but, but like even with looking at, um, I, I'll speak for myself, like growing up, like on the east side of Detroit, I remember, you know, I, I didn't um, be in a certain arenas because I didn't sag my pants. I mean, you soft because I'm wearing my pants up. And, 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 they, and, they, and that idea, it all comes from the rappers and, and, and so on and so forth. And so I think that that really, um, I think that masculinity um, really, um, like, I don't know. I'll just say this. Like when it comes to my boys, um, I've never told them like uh, I, I hug them, I kiss them. I when they fall, if if they got a scrape, you know, you know, I'll you know, I t- you know, I t- if he's crying, it's okay to cry, you know, a little a little bit, you know. I, and I I never forget this. I was in a grocery store, and I, I I was I gave my he's ten now, but he was a baby at the time. I, I was giving my my son Jesse. I gave him a kiss, and this woman she. Uh, she 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 starts ranting and she says, "Oh, you know, oh, hell no! Like that's why I can't handle man around around my kids. You know, kissing on my on my kids. And it's like, like this is my son. Like, so I think I think the idea or we don't even know what what, what masculinity looks like. Mm. We don't know what it is. And I, I think that um, even going back to to the points about um, you know as far as the the church acceptance of, of certain behaviors, I'll just say I think it really um, it really involves like just um, establishing principles and principles are like characters and that you know the letter A is a letter A, you know and and I think that I'll let somebody else kind of like really expound on it, but just to I believe that toxic masculinity is a thing. I, I believe that. Um, um, and, and I don't know about you all, but growing up, if, you know, if, if you had a certain count of, of girls up under your belt, you know, that made you more of a man, um, you know, and, and we've seen our fathers, uh, it's a young brother that I, that I work with. He, he loves to be around me. He's not that much younger than me, but I, I kind of asked him, I said, man, why you, you know, give me some room. And he, he told me flat out, he said, man, I'll be honest, like my, my dad was there growing up, but his thing was always chasing women. And he was like, I see, like, that, that's not your thing. And so he wanted, he just wants to be around that. So like, that's my little bro, you know, so I let him rock with me. And, you know, I rock. Yeah. he doesn't even really have, even though he had a father there, that's all he's seen of him. And so I think that, that when I, when I think about toxic masculinity, that, that's, those, that, those are just some of the things I think about. I think that we, we have this idea that, um, you know, chasing women and, and, and yeah. dogging women, mistreating women, that's, that's yeah. masculine. You know, I, I was off when I when I at 20, when I was twenty and said, "All right, I'm, I'm about to get married, y'all." You know that was soft. You know, you know that wasn't being a man. You know, and it was the complete opposite. You know, and so yeah, that's, that's all I'm gonna say for now. Yeah, um, I I think it's a thing, but I think it's I think it's relative um, to to the audience, I guess that you're in front of. 
um, for example, um, toxic masculinity to um, non-African Americans is a is a is a black man that exert that exerts that exerts himself. Um, that that to them is toxic masculinity. The angry black man. Um, when you when we stand up for what's right, or we're not going to take just anything. You know what I'm saying? Um, and we voice our opinion in a very stern and very strong manner, without cowering down to a non-African American. That's toxic masculinity. Um, toxic. Toxic masculinity in our community is what Gus was just talking about, where we 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 grow up and you know, young man falls and he starts to cry because his kneecap is hanging on the side of his leg, and we tell him, Man up, you know, man up. Men don't cry. You know, it's like he's five and he's just dislocated his whole kneecap. Right. Uh, what are you talking about? Right. That <clears throat> excuse me, to that in our community, that's toxic masculinity. Um, the whole idea of what Gus was saying, the the sagging of the pants, uh, if you ain't sagging or if you ain't, you know, wearing certain kind of clothes, you know, you 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 ain't, you, you know, what kind of man are you, you know? Uh, those types, that, that, that's toxic masculinity. When I first moved, the little uh, testimony, when I first moved to Atlanta, um, I'm from Northeast Ohio and I grew up around people that believed in education, that believed in um, complete sentences, sentence structure, ending ending sentences with a punctuation, um, clear diction, uh, look you in the eye uh, to talk to you, those kind of things. And my mom, my grandmother, my dad, they didn't play those games. My aunts didn't play those games with with the slang and the what we call ebonics. They didn't play those games. And so when I moved down to Atlanta and I go and I'm working on a job and other African Americans are around me and we're having conversation, they're like, why are you talking white? You you don't even you don't even sound you don't even sound black. It's like what does sounding black look to that's toxic masculinity in our community. That's what it looks like. So, yeah, so there is such a, it is a thing, but I believe, like I said, I think it's relative to the audience and, and, and uh, whoever you're standing in front of. Well, I was, um, uh, it was a situation uh, at the prison uh, where I'm at now where this, this, this white officer, he, he, um, he, he was calling for backup. It was a combative inmate. So we all run over and and I'm like, I get there and I'm like, what's what's the issue? All it was is it was it was a as a black uh or the inmate, he was a black guy, big dude, big boy. So I maybe he was a bit intimidated by the size, but we get there and he was just talking. He was just trying to get an understanding from the officer and instead of the officer just telling him what it is and what it's gonna be. You know, he, I, I, he, he he was intimidated by him because he was very, you know, uh, very, as a matter of fact, oh, okay, so what time, you know, he, he, he was talking, he talking kind of hard. And so I told the sergeant, I said, hey, I don't see an issue here. And so later on that day, I called the sergeant over to, uh, to, to, to my uh, cell block that I was working. I, I asked him, I said, what do you see? He said, I see guys, uh, I see some guys playing cards. I'm like, what else do you see? And then as he begins to see, they was insulting each other. Oh, 
you know, it was, you know, going off, you know, very loud and, you know, that's, yeah. I mean, us. And so yeah. I think, I think what it was is, and I told him, I said, the biggest thing, the, the, the biggest thing that I'm seeing here is that other people are, when I say other people, other races that may not understand how we communicate, which brings us to what, what uh, Pastor Christian said. We, and, and I've even heard inmates say this, that, that they're locked up because they didn't have fathers to teach them to accurately express uh, or articulate their, their emotions. And we have to teach our children, our, our boys in particular, how to, how to talk and, and how to be uh, sometimes, and I hate to say this, but be politically correct, you know, knowing, knowing your surroundings, knowing, okay, this is an arena I can just kind of let, I can kind of kick back in. And, and, and even my boys, they, they've been, they've been uh, guilty, uh, or not guilty, they, they've been um, victims of being, uh, like you said, Pastor Chris, being told that, oh, you sound like a, like a white kid. It's like, you know, my kids, like, because I'm using proper English, you know, and, you know, and so it, that's, that's, that's definitely uh, where it's at. I think that we need to, um, we need to start educating ourselves on, on, on even just something simple, like just language and, and expression, you know, and, and it's okay to, it's, so, it's okay to cry. It's okay to, you know, um, tap into that emotional side, if you will, and it's okay to be vulnerable. And I, and I think that that even brings about the other thing, that's uh, the, the, the lack of uh, male presence in, in, in the family and homes, because we don't know how to uh, express ourselves to our spouses and, and, and to let them know, hey, look, this is what I'm feeling. Instead, we get mad and leave. You know, we, found other, we find other outlets. And I mean, and that right there is huge. That right there is, is huge and it's very detrimental to, to um, not, not just the black family, y'all. I'm just gonna say to the family uh, in general, but in particular, uh, right now we're, we're talking about the one. <laughs> so um, yeah, definitely. I think that 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 communication piece and and learning how to uh, articulate what it is that we're feeling is, is a huge component. Yeah, Fred, you got anything? I mean, the brothers are they own the money with it. Um, I would just like to reiterate, uh, if it wasn't already clear, that um, yeah, masculinity in it, in and of itself is not inherently toxic, right? Uh, anything can become toxic. So I think what we are against is uh, these caricatures of masculinity, these mm-hmm. these um, counterfeit versions, expressions of masculinity, where uh, really it's just it's underdeveloped masculinity, trying to compensate, trying to overcompensate for what's not there, uh, unfortunately. And um, Pastor Chris, you hit you hit the nail on the head too. I think a lot of times what gets labeled as toxic masculinity is that people aren't used to just seeing free black men. In the same way, it's so easy for black women who just have an opinion in a corporate setting, if they have an opinion that's contrary to what the consensus is, all of a sudden they become the angry black women. No matter, even if they whisper it, if they email it, or if they make it all flowery, because they have an opposing opinion, they become the angry black woman in the same way a free black man standing in his own agency of masculinity who's not cowering down. It's people just not used to seeing that, you know? Um, and, and they become threatened by that. Um, but the solution isn't to scale back. The solution is to normalize healthy masculinity. I would add this nuance. Um, I'm still developing this, right? Because my son is younger. I agree with what everybody said about, you know, hey, allowing boys to access the entire palette of the emotions that God gave them, right? Like, I think, I think, emo- I think um, masculinity becomes toxic when it's narrowly defined. Like, 
if I'm only allowed to express anger, well, yeah, that's toxic. But when I can be angry, I can be sad, I can be happy, I can experience and express joy, that's full masculinity, right? Mm-hmm. But like for my son, for instance, I want him to know, hey man, it's okay to cry. Like, you wired with tear ducts, bro. Like, <laughs> that, yeah. that's how you build. However, I want you to know there are safe places to cry. Like you almost, children at his age, they take things so literal. So it's, it's hard to communicate the nuance. Like, mm-hmm. yes, cry, but you gotta be aware of your surroundings. You gotta kind of stay in frame. Come at home where it's safe. We love you. Cry, man. We will walk right. through it together. But you almost can't, you can't give ammunition to these people that are waiting to prey on what they perceive as your vulnerability. That, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. You know, like, and that, we can't and that cry thing goes. I think it goes to um, what we, I guess what we're all well, I believe what we're all saying it goes to teaching um, yeah. and yeah. and and I think where we have fallen short in a lot of our in a part of our community is we've allowed laziness to 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 take hold and not want to put in the work to to teach our our young men our young women that you know expressing yourself takes work and it takes thinking it takes being in control of who you are um and and what you really want to say my mother always told us this um growing up even from little kids she said you can you can question or you can have conversation with any adult that you that you need to you can question any adult that you need to she said but think through what you have to say. Don't be lazy and be respectful. And so what she was telling us was don't don't ever be in a position where you feel less than or that you feel inferior. Even as a young child, I was told never feel inferior. You can have a conversation with anybody. You can question anyone. Yeah. It just has to be done in a in a way that is respectful, uh, that you articulate your point and your position. And and so that's how we grew up. And so, you know, I'm labeled, you know, the angry black man. I've been labeled the angry black man on several times on the job. And it's like, no, what what <laughs> what you're not understanding is I'm right with what I'm saying and you just don't like it. <laughs> you know, and so you just try to blanket me with a with a with a, this angry black man toxic masculinity, you know, whatever. And I think um, it goes back to, like I was saying, uh, we just have to get back to really teaching our young people um, and not just those in our house. Um, I grew up, you know, probably some of you grew up where the neighbor down the street could, could, could pull your coattail and, you know, give you a correction. Hey, you know, you know, this is what you should do. This is what you shouldn't do. Um, you know, da, 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 those kind of things. And I think when we really start getting back to not being lazy and teaching all of our own and, and expressing to them, this is how you get results by being educated, by being, by thinking through your, your arguments and really just standing up for yourself without being uh, defensive. You can be offensive, uh, be on the offense with, with your argument, but don't be defensive because def- defense, you cower back. So How that's... Did you get away from that? Uh, was there... Uh, I, I'm not trying to play the blame game, but do we blame the elders for dropping the ball? 
Oh, that's a, you know. say, how do we how do we come back to that space? Like how do we get there? I, I, I think <laughs> I, I think there's Go ahead, go ahead, Pastor. Um, to, to, to your question, to your question, Fred, um, I'm going to answer it this way. The same way we see churches where they are now, pockets of our community did the same thing. Um, and unfortunately, it spread far greater in our community than it has in churches. Um, when we let down standards, when we let down um you know, uh, showing respect for ourselves and really, you know what I'm saying, really caring about about yourself, you know, first understanding who you are. And I think pockets of our community um, allowed the system, allowed the structure to, to dictate to them, this is all you have, this is all you're gonna be, you're not gonna, you know what I'm saying, you're not gonna go any further. Um, my grandmother went only to the 10th grade, but she, she was adamant. You're not going to talk this way in my presence. You're going to do this. You're going to be respectful. You're going to talk with some sense, you know, to the point where, you know, on Thanksgiving one time I got backhand for using the word ain't, ain't got no in a sentence, you know, <laughs> it, it was there was no laziness that was going to be had in my household. And so I think we have to we have to get back to getting back to those. And we, we all know we all know um, pockets of individuals in our community where we look and we're like, they're really they're, they're being lazy when it comes to showing self-respect showing respect for the community and really trying to push and be something. And they're just allowing whatever the system gives them, just give them. Um, and, and so we, we need to find those individuals that we know we know and begin to mentor in, in such a way with love to really try to build, build back that hedge and then move forward. Um, I think someone in the in the uh, in the comments said each, each one teach one, each one reach one, and I think it it has to go back to that. I think we've we've come away from that a lot. So I, here's what I'm hearing: like, we have did I ask you a question, Fred? I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you, you you spoke to it, and I agree with you. I, I think uh, mentorship is um, a huge part of the solution, uh, like probably over half of the solution, because because ultimately you got to a man to be a man uh, um, that's not to discredit single parent moms uh they they have done what they can do but if a man if a boy doesn't see a man he will grow to be the man that his mom is or was able to show him like you you need mentors you need something to supplement the instruction right it needs to be some, some modeling yeah absolutely and again, that goes back to community though like i gotta see you as a brother so that i can see your children as a part of my family. I, I, somebody said it, I think Jess, you said it, like we're so um, indiv we're so, we work we for individualism. Yeah, we live in our own little cubbies, you know. Yeah. Um, people, you know, in the thought of maybe correcting a random young man in the store, yeah. you know, it could go one, it could go a couple ways, you know, he could be receptive, Yeah. or he could be like, you know, bruh. It could go, it could go left could real go left. quick. <laughs> so I litigation. Think that, yeah, when I think about, 
you know, the repair process, I have to be patient even with myself and thinking about it. You know, like this cannot be overnight because I also feel like, and, and again, nothing, are, these things are not absolutes, you know, but when you look at, when you read or you kind of looking at history or just thinking about your own perspective on a notion, um, I feel like the black community to some degree has taken all the scraps that we don't need and built community from that. So the re- like when you mentioned, Fred, the reinforcement of being able to say the words we want to say, we take everything that we don't need and we, we assert our authority there. Like, I want to be a B word. I, I want to be a nigga. I, I want to be this. Like, that's silly. You know what I mean? We, so I know there's, I'm sorry, Fred, I'm going to let you go. No, I know no, there are pockets, <laughs> I know there are pockets where, you know, we got, we got uh, HBCUs and everything is not only this or only that. But when we look at the grand scheme of things, there's so much division, even within our community, trying to restore those those spaces where we're healing each other, we're there for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you all can go out and say, hey, hey, brother, you know, hey, young man, hey, let me take you under my wing or let me take you somewhere where I know you can or just or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if it, it will always require a community center or something, but where there is a structure of safety for rebuilding yeah. and healing. So in a hundred years, we're not even more fragmented than we are now. And, and I just point back, point back at the church because I, I feel that the church um, lost its position in that. The church should have been that, that community center, if you will, the church should have been that that safe place, but it's been everything but. Yeah. Uh, one one of the things that um, I'll be honest when when we moved here, I was I was looking for, I was looking for a black church. You know, I wanted I wanted our family to be in a black church, and 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 I seen it was I, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it to be honest with you, and and I, no, I couldn't do it. Um, and it's and it's a it's a sad thing, you know. But but even going back to, uh, you look at in schools, you can't speak to, you can't even correct uh, uh, students' behavior because they know that I call my mom and cuss, and my mom will come up and cuss y'all. I mean, right. I've heard hell teachers that, and sure thing, their mama come up there with her <laughs> uh, her hair wrapped up and her house shoes on and her PJs. Um, you know, reeking of you know marijuana, uh, and 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 she will, she will cuss you out, and and the kids know it, and and and, I, and it was crazy. I had this one situation where, where this mom is, she she cussed me out, and she brought her her boyfriend and her uncle to come up there to see me, and I and I invited, I'm saying, have them come up here, come talk to me. She's real hot headed, and I, I just talked with the guys and. And they were just like, oh, I mean, it was it was just different, just the, the male presence. And I'm not trying to throw stones at at, at women. Um, my my and my sister Ray and my aunties they they, they raised me and and and, and every, every I just told my sister just the other thing uh, the other day. I said, hey, look, everything that's good in me, uh, it came from you, you know. So I definitely got to honor my sister uh, there. Um, but I, how do we how do we heal from that? How do we get back? Um, I would like to say that that you know I would like to point point towards the church, but we can't. I mean, I, I almost want a hey, trust. Look, I'm I'm a believer. Okay, I, I believe in Jesus Christ, but I almost want to point to to the to the nation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. 
we don't we we just we, we don't have um, we don't have the standards, and it's about building man's uh, empire than, than, than the community. Um, every church that I, with the exception of one, and I'm not going to start name dropping, but, um, but but back home in Michigan, even uh, the churches wasn't uh, about um, giving food back to the community. I mean, all, all the churches that I that I was a, that I was a part of that was that, that had that ministry, they were on the outskirts. They was on the outskirts of the city, mm-hmm. you know. Can't even uh, really think. I mean, there was a few, and I'm not going to get the name. I'm not, not going to get the name dropping. But overall, the overall view of the church. Um, Go ahead and drop the name, Gus. Go ahead and drop no. the name. <laughs> <laughs> you want to smoke? You want to smoke? Don't do it. 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 <laughs> but, but overall, overall, I, I'll, I'll say that you know that. Uh, the, the church is really lacking in that area. And I, I think that if, if we could come back to the place to even rebuild that, because the church throughout uh, our history, um, our history of being in black Americans, the church has has been a, a, a pillar. But right now you, you got so many small pillars and if they can just come together, mm-hmm. you know, say for, I mean, that it, it's a lot to be said, but I mean, there there is so much division and, I wish I, I wish I personally did have, have the answer uh, to that. Um, right now, it's not just Black America suffering. America itself is suffering. America uh, itself, yeah. We really have a humanity uh, problem. Um, but go ahead. I know you got to want to get that, to these next questions. You know, let, let me let me speak. Let me one more thing before we move on to the next one. Um, what what I've noticed, and and I'm I'm actually probably much older than the rest of you. But so speaking from from years experience, um, even when uh, our communities weren't, quote unquote, in the church, um, we were still community. You know, we we had this understanding that um, whether educated, blue collar, uh, no high school diploma, whatever, we 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 came together. As, as a community to to help facilitate the forward movement of all. And those that were a part of the church just did it on a more grander scale or even more so, you know what I'm saying? Um, because they had more resources at the church as opposed to just in the community itself. Um, but as we started to prosper, as we started to, uh, more of us started to get more edu- get educated more of us started, you know, getting better jobs. More of us started becoming managers and whatnot. We started leaving what we knew to go to other places outside of our communities. And so when we go outside our community, when we left our communities, there was still the uneducated. There was still the blue collar workers. There was still the struggling uh, single parent homes. There was still the, you know, there were still individuals in the community that needed those that left to, to speak into their life, to mentor them, to, to give some sort of help, guidance and whatnot. And so when, when we start removing ourselves from ourselves, yeah. how can we build ourselves? Oh, That's right. So, so with that, can I just ask a quick question? <laughs> <laughs> so, so Chris, I'm with you. 100%, man. 
we started fleeing, and I, when I say we, you're actually talking about a generation before me, but collective, the collective we started going out to the suburbs and abandoning uh, our, our, our communities, right? Um, but also, would you say that desegregation is a part of that? Absolutely. 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 A lot of times people don't like to talk about desegregation. They think you're on some like anti-white hate part. It's no, just saying. No, I don't agree. I don't agree. I think it, it took my, um, I'm sorry to cut in, but it took, no, my, it took my, my best friend, she's a teacher. And we were having a conversation a, a few years ago and when she shed light on that, I'm like, dang, you know, because initially, um, and y'all, I really had to like start reforming my mind because I spent a lot of time, like I was scared of black kids in elementary school, you know, like, and I took on this persona of, um, I hang with white people, right? Or I'm accepted or included by white people. But when in reality, it was more like, even when I was with them, I still felt, I didn't feel quite at home, right? Mm -hmm. So I didn't realize that until I started looking back at it. Again, it's not bad, it's not wrong, but I took, um, I learned to take pride in the fact that I can exist in these spaces or I prefer these spaces. Well, I'm here now a few years, you know, and so we're having this conversation a few years ago. And if you would have said something to me about desegregation a while back, it would have sounded just like that, right? Like negating or being racist toward this other groups or white people. But now that I'm looking at it, when I look at other communities, the structure of community is strong. It's fortified. It's fortified by belief systems. It's fortified by culture. It's fortified by uh, traditions. It's fortified by these things. So other people can come and exist in their world, but but their world is their world, and you cannot do anything outside of that. We watch um, this show, 90 Day Fiance, and I am... And it's stupid. It's so stupid, y'all. But these people go to these other countries and and expect America. They go to these other spaces like the Middle East and these women expect to be able to do whatever they want to do. You're in their space. Mm-hmm. They welcomed you, but you got to abide by their codes. Absolutely. You don't have fortified structures. And so I think, and yeah, you probably will go into this, but I think desegregation after having that conversation, years later, you know, looking into it, tore down those fortified places that we could have had where we could coexist with others. But home, there was a home base that continued to help build healthy generations to come, if that right. makes sense. It does. Yeah. Um, okay, we're going we to skip for, I don't know if y'all have your questions written down, but I want to I wanna kind of pair because a question came in. Um, we're going to go to black man versus black, the black woman. So first, just to kind of piggyback off this masculinity, we're going to pull back off of it. How can black women help? Let me let me get the question right. Um, How can black women support black men as they assert their masculinity? Um, Let's start there and then I'll ask the second part of the black woman versus black man question. Let let me let me say let me say this. I my take on masculinity is I don't have to exert, I don't have to assert my masculinity. Because we don't know no better. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm masculine. <laughs> I, I I am a man. I'm masculine, so I don't have to assert 
yeah. being who I am already. Mm-hmm. Um, I I just am who I am, uh, and and so um, when it comes to the, the the question black black men versus black women. Okay, so let me let me ask that question first. Let me ask the whole question. How do we heal the chasm? Because you just answered that. We're gonna leave that there. You know, you ain't gotta assert it. You are who you are, you know. Um, how do we heal the chasm of little to no trust between the two? Gus, you mentioned, well, let me read the whole thing. And how do we edify the role of one another and honor the position of the other in order to move our families and structures forward? Gus mentioned the example of the woman kind of cringing or having a negative response to him being affectionate to his own son. Um, I feel like there is, you know, just like the question said, what's the cat? Why? How do we repair the chasm? So there's, there's um, honor being mirrored, mirrored between the two, right? You all, well, I'm gonna let y'all answer. I'm gonna shut up and let y'all answer. That's what I was just getting ready to ask. Is there, I don't, I don't, I personally don't believe there is a black man versus black woman chasm. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I just don't. I believe in, in the words of our illustrious president, I believe it's fake news. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and I think what happens is you have pockets or, uh, factions, if you will, of angry men, angry black men that may have issues with a woman that they were. And so they just spew on all women, just as some women have issues with black a black man and they spew that on all men. I don't believe that there is a chasm. I don't believe that there is a war between the black man and the black woman. I believe that uh, <clears throat> I believe that relationship is very much intact. Um, and and I think what happens is uh, what, what's the what's the term? The squeaky wheel gets the grease. And I think we're just allowing a few people to scream so loud that we're ignoring the fact that the 98, 99.9% that have no issue. And we're over here quiet. It's like, why do I need to even be in this argument? Because there's no argument. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That was honestly, that, that was exactly what I was thinking. Cause I, I was thinking to myself, like, I don't, uh, yeah. for me, for me personally, I, I don't, I don't, I don't battle with, with, with my wife. I don't battle with my sister. Um, yeah. Um, I, because that's what I want to do, debunk, debunk, you know what I mean? Debunk some of these loud lies. Yo, because I, I I adore, like, I, when I read the question, I was like, I don't have anybody in my circle that has this default distrust of black women. If, if they did, that would be indicative of internalized white supremacy. Mm. Like, mm. And then I would have, I would feel for them. Like I'm born of a black woman. I'm married to a black woman. I'm raising a black d- daughter. My sister. Like I have black women on the pedestal. But not only that, I got so many dope black women that have added value to my life. And then, to, if we really want to keep it a hundred, 
I trust the instincts of black women probably even more so because when you think about the invisible social social hierarchy, black women have had to be more intuitive. Very like, much so. You and I can walk into a room, and I know people don't like to talk about male privilege. I know it's a trite thing. So let me just say, like, uh, sometimes a woman can say the same thing a man says, and it won't get any type of traction until a man, a man's it or seconds it, right? And so me being aware of that, sometimes I just try to get, I try to give space to a woman because I already know, like, let me, it's, it's what Jesus would do, right? He he um he took on the form of a servant, right? Like he 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 disrobed of everything to to uh, help the marginalized, right? So I would want to use whatever ounce of male privilege I have to help uplift the black woman, right? Or women in general. But women have to, have to pick up on certain cues that men don't always have to pick up on. You know what I'm saying? So right. like, uh, their survival necessitates that. So I, I trust black women. Uh, and, I, I can't even quantify how much I regard actually, them. And I, and I will say this, every man every 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 brother that 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 i know that has made the argument in my eyes he's weak anyway just just being oh, i mean just, just kind of like this, anyway um i i do know a few brothers um who purpose who, who made it a purpose now i'm not saying now, now let me be bold about this. I, I teach my boys. I say, hey, if she, don't, I got. They know the joke. I say, look, if she don't look like your mama. Don't bring her home. Hey. <laughs> but it's, it's, I, it, since we move where we at now, I've ha- I had to kind of like draw back a little bit from, from, from that statement. But I, I um, I still, I, I still encourage that. But I, I'm not against anyone who, who marries outside of, 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 of their race, but I do think it's an issue when, when you're marrying outside your race because of be, what issues, whether it be mama issues, sister issues, or an issue with your, with your ex or whatever, because now you're going to take that same toxic idea even into that marriage or whatnot. You know, um, I do have, I, I do have uh, some unresolved when, when, when it comes to, to, to brothers who, who do that, but again, that's just, Deep to me, I mean, yeah, and I agree with you, Gus. It's 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 not a. I don't think it's a black men, black women. It's a it's a them issue. Mm-hmm. That that's an internal. That's an internal issue. You know, um, just just quick thing about you know, I'm I'm married to a very strong black woman. I mean, strong. Um, and when before we started dating. Um, she told me, you know, I, when I asked her to date me, she was like, well, you need to pray about it. And so after a couple months, I decided to pray. And, and God told me that, yes, this is your wife, but I need you to listen to her. Mm. And me and God had, a, had it out. And I'm like, wait a minute, hold up, homie. <laughs> you know, I, I'm the man, I'm the man, you know. And so he showed me in scripture the story between Abraham and Sarah when they were going at it about Hagar. And and Abraham didn't want to kick Hagar out. And Sarah's like, put her out. And God told Abraham, listen to your wife. 
uh, and 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 put her out. And so when 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 I got that when I got that revelation, you know, not saying that I've always listened to my wife because there's been times because like like Fred said, they they pick up on cues and things that and and my wife does all the time. And she's like, well, you know, maybe you you might want to consider this or think about this. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, ah, I got it. And instead of listening to her, I'm like, ah, didn't have it. So I got to go back. And you know what I'm saying? So it, it, it it's I think the woman the black woman to the black man is, 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 I mean, they're, we're allies. They, they have parts of us that we need and we have parts of them that they need. And so to have this, this battle that they're saying is out there, cause I don't believe it is. Um, it doesn't exist because there's why, why, why would there be a chasm? Because it goes back to, I believe the original question about uh, uh, emasculation, it, it goes back to the structure, it goes back to the system, it goes back to what, what you said, Jess, about the whole feminist thing. Um, and and it, it's, it's all a part of a ploy to divide and conquer the community at large. Um, so, so no, I don't believe that there is a I don't believe there's a there's a fight between the black man and the black woman. I think that there's just a faction that are angry, angry inside, unresolved issues or whatever, what have you on both sides. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're talking the loudest. So people believe that there's an issue as a on, on the whole front when when it's the furthest thing from the truth, this furthest thing from the truth. I think this is worth saying, though. Like, we, I'm with you guys, right? Because I read the question, like, this this is not my lived reality. However, it's not my lived reality, not our lived reality, but we can also look at the situation. We can listen to the hip-hop music and the misogyny that is clearly uh, downing women. Like, they, they, they are profiting off of objectifying women. Uh, we can look at the double standard and somebody can make an argument like, hey, there's a double standard on both sides. You know, like we look at the recent incident with uh, Meg Thee Stallion, right? Um, and how there was no empathy for her. Uh, people almost, it, it, pe- people people treat her like, um, I mean, th- people are callous towards her. And so somebody may take that and amplify it and say, this is representative of all the relationship, or the majority of relationship between black men and black women, right? Uh, right. But that's probably just because she's a celebrity. Also, that it gets that type of press, or it gets the that type of will. the squeaky yeah. wheel. Mm. Yeah, the squeaky wheel. Yeah. So that, that, I took the scenic route to say what you are. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really, um, I did not expect that question to be answered that way. I, lo- I honestly thought we were going go there, and it's not so much that it's my reality. You know what I mean? But if you, you know, the squeaky wheel has a voice. And so to sit here and hear hear a whole um, healthy perspective that doesn't really have a front seat, it easily debunks this whole mysterious idea of a fracture when really the people are fractured, Mm. which in turn creates this fractured uh, conversation. Um, And and perpetual issues 
exactly. So, Jeff, it's so dope that you're facilitating this because who else is thinking that this is a real thing? You know, so like you're you're helping to facilitate uh, the healing, and hopefully, this will be a catalyst to conversations that we were just not having. Like this could have all melted away if we would have just been in the same room and have had to say, hey, what do you think of us? What do we think of you? And so, salute to you for, you know, pushing the, the needle forward. Well, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We're going to go ahead and wrap it up. I'm going to ask this one last question. Um, because, again, the obvious, the goal always in these conversations that seem hard or may not, they seem hard at first, and then you find out, like, that ain't a real thing. It's not as hard as you thought, you know? Um, like, the goal... Um, recognizing one that a lot of this is a humanity problem just broken you know fallen men fallen women you know um, never to take away from the um, what do you call it when you have like subcategories you know race is a subcategory in the human humanity problem mm -hmm. um, it's not unimportant um, but it's important you know but if we're going to look at you know, just to tie back in the fact that we're having a conversation about black men. I think black men are amazing. I think they're necessary. I think they're needed. As a as a single black woman raised in a home with a, with a single mom, my parents were married, but my father was incarcerated. At 16, I was aware of institutional, you know, um, an institutional mentality. You know what I mean? Uh, that was like one of the last times he had come home and just in our conversations, institutionalism I realized was real it kind of pushed me in a space that wanted to say that that felt compelled toward the rehabilitation of this man in our society you know I would like to to see more um capable able and whole black men you know um than we do and not mm, I'll, I'll say that for later so anyway um, if the president of the United States of America asks you to create and execute a plan meant to solely restore the being of the black man, every black man, including homeless, incarcerated drug dealers, anybody that society or, uh, or we deem unfit um, for the purposes of rehabilitation and empowerment, what three principles would you all enforce and instill? Take it, whoever wants to take it first. Uh, for myself, I, I, I would like to, to, to think that I have inserted myself uh, in that, in the, in the sense of that was one of the reasons why I, I've worked in education. That was one of the reasons why I, I went from from uh, from education to the prison, um, in, in the in the hopes of reducing recidivism, which is the the amount of uh, people, uh, excuse me, uh, incarcerated you know inmates who who are released that goes back. Right. Um, you know, and I've, like like uh, Brother Fred said earlier. I've always uh, uh, stood on, on, on Frederick Douglass' uh, quote, it's easier to build strong children than to rebuild weak men. Um, but as I, as I stand here now, it's like, well, who will rebuild the weak men? You know, and, and, and the, you know, they, um, hey, they need love too. <laughs> I mean, and, and, and so um, I even- Only more so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I I've even thought about quitting and 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 this and this was one one of the inmates he he seen it on me, he said, "Hey Brown, don't don't give up on us." And when he said that, that hit me like a ton of brick, because and and, and before I even went in there, I I got the blessings from um, uh, my brother-in-law. He said, "Hey man, he this dude was in tears. He was like, hey man, he said brothers need to see a positive um, role model.'" 
and some of these guys are, are, are even older than me, but some of them do have the idea that you, you can't wear a badge and be a black man. You can't be honest, you know? So I think that it's, it's about um, inserting ourselves in different roles uh, or positions of, um, of, of influence um, beyond, beyond just the church. Uh, a lot of times we think that means, you know, oh, I'm okay, I mean, I'm a pastor and all that. Inserting ourselves in, in politics, inserting ourselves um, in, in media executive roles, uh, people that, that, that are making, um, you know, uh, real decisions. Real decisions. Uh, yeah, and so uh, I don't know if that's, you know, I don't really have, like, points. And this is, Fred, this is kind of what I was saying earlier. Like, I don't really have any points to that, but I just think it's just it's just simple of, and I am going to answer uh, question three, it's just about simple of, you know, the protesting and everything. It's just simple about, like, you know, staying home, raising your families, um, um, and, and having a belief system. Um, and I'll even say, you know, uh, having, you know, God, putting God, like getting God back to the to the forefront and heads of our lives. I even believe that's even how we got here, um, you know, because I believe we, we turned our backs on God ultimately. I mean, that, that that's in the Bible, but that's a whole other conversation. Mm-hmm. But but as far as to you know the if, if the president put it in my hands, I don't know if I can really answer that because you can't make you can't make men be men at the end of the day. I mean, you can teach them. You can lead them to the water. You can you can give them the tools and the resources. Um, but and again, uh, be, I I can't really I, I can't necessarily say I can really answer that question. But I, I think that ultimately, what it involves is I believe it involves men being in their roles as 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 fathers, as husbands, and as um, and, and 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 raising children that will not just be. Uh, I want to be a basketball player. I want to rap, but but that will, I, I want to be a policeman. I want to be a fireman. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a judge. I want to be a lawyer. You know, in these positions of, of influence and 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 whatnot, and even teaching our children um, how to respond to um, to authority. I think that that that, that the authority, the voice, the authority uh, of voices has been so removed from from the home that when these black boys, when 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 the police is giving them directives, and you see your hands, oh man, I'm just doing this. And a lot of times we we like to paint this narrative that oh that's that was racism. It's another racist cop. I'm like no, he gave him a directive, and he didn't follow that directive, so the kid was shot or or, what, or whatnot. And so I think that once. Once we get into the positions of number one, just being husbands and fathers, and 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 the, and the boys being familiar—not just boys, girls too—but but but children being familiar with that voice. That when we encounter um, uh, police officers or whatnot, that's that's not a uh, the the voice of the authority voice is not that's not unfamiliar to them. It's you know if, if that if that makes sense. So I, I believe that's that that's one of the first steps. Is just it's just starting with the home. And and that's uh, unfortunately, I don't think that's I don't think it's a bill that can be passed that will make fathers be fathers. Mm. Yeah, I would. Um, I I'm gonna echo what Gus is saying, and um, as I think I said it earlier, it's it's going back to the foundation, back to the fundamentals. Um, I think we we tend to make um, trigonometry questions out of simple addition and subtraction um, and and meaning the, the simplicity of just 
raising and teaching and mentoring and training our young men to to be just that to be young men, to be respectable, to be uh, first respect yourself, you know, because if we don't respect ourselves, you're never going to respect anyone else. You know, I don't care who you are. I don't care where you come from, what background, whether you educated, whether you're not educated, hood, suburb, it doesn't matter. If there's no respect for yourself, you're never going to respect anyone in authority or anyone even on your peer group level. And, and that puts you in a very bad position. And, and that's where we start to see the, the constant revolving door of our, our, of our institutions of incarceration. We start seeing, uh, you know, the revolving door of, of hearses and going to funerals and it, because there's, because the lack of respect for ourselves. And we, if we start beginning there with teaching self-respect, um, self self uh self awareness knowing who we are as 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 kings as as very you know someone to be reckoned with because we respect ourselves you know what i'm saying and and begin like like i said begins at home and but if there's no one at home to begin with it has to begin in the community it has to begin with someone that you see, a young man that you see, a young woman that you see in the community that that you can impart some wisdom into, that you can share uh, a, a bit of wisdom, a bit of knowledge of understanding about, hey, you know, listen, yes, all police officers aren't bad. There's some that are. But listen, if they give you a directive, just do what they say. It doesn't take away from the fact that you're still a man. It doesn't take away the fact that you are important, that you are somebody. What is what it also will not take away, it won't take away your life because you refuse to listen. Mm. You know, and so it goes back to our sim back to the beginning. We have to just be uh proactive in teaching teaching ourselves to respect ourselves and moving forward and then moving forward and moving forward. And after a while, change comes. After a while, change comes because we didn't get here overnight. Right. You know, where we are now as, as a community, we did not get here overnight. Yeah. So it's not going to be overnight to get to where we're trying to go. But we can't stop trying to get there, though. That's good. They didn't said it all. Let me uh, let me try to gather <laughs> just so I can go on record as I also haven't had an answer. I struggled with this one the most, though. Uh, I guess because I don't know if it's because of who is president, like what would be my <laughs> or if it's just because of like the president, the office of the president wouldn't really be the one making the solution. I, I don't know. I wrestled with this though, right? Uh, probably also because like they already said, really it's on us. Yeah. Uh, you, you can't legislate wholeness. Like it can't do it. It has to be organic. I think mentorship or you want to use church language, discipleship, life on life, a man pouring into another young man, bringing them up. I think that's ultimately the answer. So we got to take personal responsibility. But that's not to say that um, there haven't been landmines intentionally, systemically placed in our way to, um, to slow that down, right? So some of the things I would like to see happen, um, and I don't have a robust plan for this, but, 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 you know, we talk about recidivism. Well, I think sometimes we make criminals. 
like you make a law, like there are some activities that are not really, it's not even harmful. But we, but, but because you observe the behavior patterns of a certain people, you go ahead and make that a criminal activity. And then you get them locked into the system and then it becomes a revolving door. You see what I'm saying? So I would like to see, that's one way we can remedy that situation. I think the other thing is, um, uh, Pastor Chris talked about having also knowledge of self and self-respect. Well, one of the um, obstacles that's placed in our way, so I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm not placing blame anywhere else. I started by saying it's on us. However, one of the barriers to that is uh, propaganda labeled as education. Mm. A lot of times we're not even getting knowledge of ourselves, not because we're not interested, but we have been um, indoctrinated with white revisionist history. So it's not until your college years where you get to take black history as an elective that you find, oh, dang, my history didn't start at slavery? You mean to tell me I got more value? You right. know what I mean? Um, and that's not to say that mom and dad at home weren't even saying it, but you know, nine times out of 10, most children are like, oh, that's just mom talking, that's just dad talking. You know, but when you see, no, there's facts, there's documentation to support this. Right. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna stand a little bit more erect, like, yo, I come from good stock. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is just a, a blemish in our history, and this is not even something I need to be ashamed of. This speaks to the, um, the, the moral failure of the people who subjected us to this. But mm-hmm. it's, not, it's, not, it's not that I was foul, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and then also while we're talking about that, we need to make sure that we talk about the resistance that our ancestors uh, put forth. Because you, there's a lot of discussion going back and forth now about how people talk about, you know, I'm not my ancestors, I'll do X, Y, Z. And that's because we don't know how our ancestors uh, participated in revolts and how they had all these various forms of resistance. So I would say, Stop criminalize. Stop making criminals. Mm-hmm. Um, get, give us true education, and, and that's not to say that the schools are solely responsible for education. But don't give us propaganda. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're gonna do anything, and then um, ultimately just get out of the way. Like history shows, like real history shows, if you give black people a fair shot, we gonna take off. We go excel. I mean, that's why we have the the Tulsa. Uh, the, the bombings and things like that. Because if you leave us alone, if you get out of the way, we got it. We we can get it out the mud. Absolutely. If you Absolutely. liberate <laughs> and and during the reconstruction period, yo, we got it out the mud. Just get out the way. Yeah. You know, is it, all I would say. So and to to your point of getting out the way, I think. Um, we, we tend to use make excuses for ourselves. Well, you know, I tr- I tried this and this happened, or I tried to get this job and this happened. You know, we 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 have all these excuses, um, which you know, and and it reminds me of scripture where where Jesus uh, asked the man, "Will he be made whole?" and he makes all these excuses. Every time I try to get to the pool, somebody always stepping in front of me. And it's like, that ain't what he asked you, you know? So <laughs> do you want to be whole? Do we, if, if we're going to be whole as a community, we have to get out of all these excuses. Yes. Acknowledge the fact, like what, what Fred said, there are landmines that were purposely put in our way. There are, there are things that are purposely done to keep us from, 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 from getting to where we know we can be. But the resolve has to be, do I want to be whole though? And if I want to be whole, then I'm going to do what it takes to be whole. And one, I'm going to do away with excuses. I'm going to do away with the blame game. You know, even 
as real as the blame game is, you know, as as legit or bona fide and verified. Yes, this is true. This is what the, I'm going to do away with that. And I'm going to be whole and whatever that means for me to get to where I need to be whole. I'm going to get there. Yeah. And so and I believe as a people, we can do just that. Yeah. Y'all, this was really, really, really good. It even helped me kind of reshape and reassess how I was look how I looked at things as, as it pertained to black men. Um, I think one of the things that I struggle with the most as I become more awake, more woke, more aware, <laughs> and being more aware as a believer in Jesus Christ, right? Because it's easy to go um, 100% one way and 100% this way, right? If I'm, well, God's got it. You know what I mean? It's a humanity issue, and then it means we neglect these disparities or realities, right? Or we go all the way here as if there isn't any hope. And I think as this conversation has come to an end, the reality is that these things do exist, but we do have hope. And at the end of the day, I can look, I can take responsibility. We can take responsibility for ourselves and each other. And maybe one person ain't ready for it. You know, um, Jesus said, uh, the Bible says, who said it? Somebody said it, but it's in the Bible. Um, one one plants, oh. one waters, and God brings an increase, you know, mm. so. Paul said it. Yeah, Paul, Paul. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we leave the door open for those who decide later, like, I want to come, you know. Um, I don't want to stay here. I'm ready to move forward, you know. So we create an environment. We leave the door open for those who decide they want to come join and we don't throw it all away. So I learned here tonight that there are no absolutes, you know, um, ain't no issues with the black man and the black woman, you know, it's a squeaky wheel, you know, um, and that people, men like you all need to talk more or need more platforms to kind of help dispel those myths, you know what I mean? So at first I was worried that I had too many whole men on the show. I'm like, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be real one-sided. But I think this is exactly what we need, though. You know, this is exactly what we need. So thank you all for being a part of Just Talks, episode three. I think this was phenomenal. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Yeah, good night. Good night.